Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to our signing week edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Everybody throw your hands in the air celebration. It is here. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley, and it is two days before signing day. The uh, the Christmas of the uh, the recruiting season, and Nordane will ink uh, up to 25 or so recruits on Wednesday, but probably not the biggest signing of the last week. Brian Kelly, Pete, I thought you wrote an excellent column the Crossing the Lines column on Brian Kelly's contract extension at Notre Dame, and just what it means for the football program, which I think you hit on a ton of good points. I think it's really significant. It's the continuity that they've been striving for for 20 years. Yeah. I mean, how, how often had, do you look at Notre Dame football and be like, yeah, everything's going really well? Almost never. I mean, we it, So we've put the Fiesta Bowl behind yeah, us? Is I that mean, what you're saying? So, so rarely has Notre Dame had a coach that it really wanted and that coach really wanted to be here. I mean, that's a weird dynamic. It's unique. And you look across college football at large, how many programs have great stability? Five or six. I mean, not, and I mean stability, but not stale at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you, you run into a lot of programs where a coach been there eight, nine years and people are like, Oh God, get this guy out of here. And I think Brian Kelly is still innovating. I mean, with, what they did with Mike Sanford last year, and you see progress being made. You see him evolving a little bit. You know, it's like, is he going to do that on defense? We don't know. But, like, there's – you have the CEO that ties everything together in place for another six years. And, look, it's – Notre Dame is, has a stadium renovation going. You know, you don't hear about admissions and, and athletics being at odds anymore. Um, you don't hear about assistant pay being an issue anymore. You don't hear about night games or field turf or jumbotrons anymore. Just everything is set up, and so you keep the CEO that sort of ties it all together for the next six years. I mean, to, to me, that that contract extension was the most significant no- moment in Notre Dame football since they beat USC in 2012. Interesting you said that about the stability factor because you said there aren't many. I immediately thought of four, and they're all in the playoffs. Yeah, this year I thought of four right away, and now I can't think of a fifth unless you throw in Iowa. But that, I mean, mildly stale. That, but yeah, because that, that that was that when I say stale, yeah, yeah. Iowa comes to mind. Right, right. But you know, he's probably gone past yeah. that. With this. But the four playoff teams, and now I can't think of another one. Like I'm, I'm my mind has been scrambling this whole time yeah. to think of another totally stable pro. Yeah, Notre Dame would be if there's they'd be number six at least in terms yeah. of stability and future and coming well, out. I, good year. I, I mean. mean I, your point's taken, yeah. Pete. There's no doubt. I mean, is Baylor stable? Yeah, I think so. Is TCU? Maybe yeah, 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 yeah. Is Oregon? Yeah, they made a coaching change yeah, a couple years ago, but it's still, but he was part of the yeah. he was part of the system. Baylor but, and TCU are good points, though. But yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, but your point's taken, Pete. And again, I think it was an excellent crossing the line. And you know, as you said, um, not only was the, the the written word good, but I thought your your video that that was attached with it also hit some other points, and that is that three years ago, we didn't think the Nordin would get to this point with Brian Kelly. And, you know, I, 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 
look, we were on target with the whole NFL stuff. If they had offered him a job, that would have been something for him to really to consider. But, you know, is there are only, whether well, 32 NFL teams, there are only 32 head coaching jobs out there. And to, to take a chance on a college coach, especially when you just had one that, that failed, although he landed in a, in a good spot for him at San Francisco, it, it's very significant for Notre Dame. I mean, continuity... You can't weigh it, but you but you do know that as long as Brian Kelly is still there, there's no interruption in the system, and that's significant, especially since they're recruiting well. Uh, yeah, I mean, on top of that, we talked about this, I think, in a previous podcast when it, we were debating, well, well, would he go to the Giants? You look around, who would who would you hire to replace him? Oh, yeah. And, there's a dearth of candidates right now, so that gives... Diaco, Martin. I mean, Mike Sanford could be gone and coming back by the time right, Brian that's... Kelly finishes with this job. And I think just big picture, look, Notre Dame extended a lot better coach than they hired in 2009 when they got him. And I think Brian Kelly extended with a program that's a heck of a lot better than the one he extended with in 2013 because of all the infrastructure that's right. gone in. So I think you're, you're getting the best of both worlds there. You're getting a better coach than what you hired initially, and Brian Kelly is going to get to coach the Notre Dame football program that he's always wanted to coach since he got here and has been pushing – to get the university to move forward. And most important, um, I, I mean, I like the extension because I think he's a great coach, but there, as you pointed out, there, if you didn't extend, if he wasn't going to be around after this year, that was going to ruin the program. There was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to go. Start, let's say, Brian this Kelly. Year, this, this year. This year. This offseason. Yeah. You mean as a replacement? Yes. Well, there was no there, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly I mean. was an easy choice was, six years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. And, and there were other there are other options six years ago. There was, there was nothing. So if you're if you're lukewarm on this, know that this is by far the best thing for the program because the guys that Pete mentioned, we've mentioned, are not ready yet. Right. Mike Sanford can't coach Notre Dame football next year, but by the time Brian Kelly is done in four to six years, he could. And and Chuck Martin as well. I don't know that Bob Diaco's a fit, but I mean, I think that's a guy that as well could work his way well, into that. Just I mean, six years from let's say Brian Kelly plays off this contract and finishes the next six years. How how many games does he win in the next six? So that's thirteen at least a year. We're saying we'll say thirteen a year, right? No, thirteen. No, no, yeah. thirteen, 13 games. Wins. Oh. Thirteen games are played a year. Oh, okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that half full yeah. of a glass. No, no. There's thirteen games a year. So, uh, would you would you think it would be more than the previous six years? Sixty. I think he'll win at least sixty games in six years. Well, he won. Fi- he won fifty five in yeah. the first. Oh, well, then that's a good six. way of looking at it. Then if you put it. Yeah, he's fifty five and twenty three. You're not going to go through the quarterback issues yeah. again that just really submarined your first two years. You don't have the massive rebuilding to do. But the key is that he plays 15 be, or 14 one year. I would, that's the yeah, key to the whole thing. I would be shocked if they did not win. If he's here for the next six years, if they didn't win at least 60 games. The key is to get a more competent defense, for crying out loud. <laughs> because, I mean, they do. Look, they do have, they have the offense rolling. They still have their red zone issues and their short yardage issues. But big picture, they've solved a lot of the problems that they had early in the Brian Kelly era offensively, and they're headed in the right direction. Uh, now you have a power back coming into Tony Jones. Maybe that will help with some of those short yardage and, and red zone situations. Yeah, I guess sort of on that vein, you know, Tyler Luatua, we talked about him uh, last week as a potential transfer. Now that is a transfer that will occur. He visited BYU over the weekend. You know, he was sort of maybe a, a short yardage solution, uh, sort of moving forward. But now they're down at tight end, so you've got Durham Smythe, Elize Jones, and Nick Wisher back. Not really a power tight end among that group. You know, I think we've 
describe Durham Smythe might as well change his name to complete tight end because <laughs> that's how we always refer to him. Uh, and they don't have a tight end coming in this class, but you know, a little bit of, of roster moving. I think that uh, you know, Tim, as if you've written before, there has not been an off season where they have not had a transfer right. um in the modern yeah, it's modern happen, it's, and it will probably happen again. This probably won't be the last guy to depart the program. I don't think you know, in Tyler was possibly carving a niche, but it's not a it, there was two tight ends that could have conceivably lost, and they lost one of them. It's it's fine. They'll be okay. I don't think you're going to look at next year's offense and say Mr. We have complete tight end in, in Durham Smythe, and let's go heavy a lot with Luatua and take Alizé right. Jones off the field at sophomore year two forty five. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think Luatua was. I think everybody would agree, and he was still in the first half of his sure, collegiate sure. career, but he was inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was especially inconsistent as as a freshman, but we saw instances of that um, in, in the red zone in two thousand fifteen as well. So it's a blow, and if Notre Dame's tight end situations before. You know, Wright and Comet come in next year. If they have injuries like they did this past year, well, then it would be a problem. If the tight ends stay healthy, I think it's a pretty competent three-man group. He's been targeted twice in two years. so I know. Yeah, and he, he certainly he, wasn't said, a he's pass an inco- He's an inconsistent blocker, and they can find another one. It's, they, they'll be fine with that. Yeah, no question. Well, I've got uh, just a couple of days before National Signing Day. If you were on Twitter at all last week, you saw Notre Dame semi truck to uh, Georgia, and then also Alabama conveniently on the way back to South Bend. Um, I don't know what what did you guys make of that? Just as sort of a, a stunt slash tactic. I like it better than mailing somebody a lot of stuff. Yes, I am totally on board with you on that. I would not want to get ninety pieces of mail, no matter who I am or who it was yeah, from. Because I thought this it, was cool. Well, they cut it way down this year. Okay, by the way, okay. it's like only it's like I think it's less than thirty. <laughs> Well, you can. I mean, that's mind-numbing for us right, for a right. recruit. It gets to the point where, eh, yeah, Tennessee again. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I don't really know over the long haul how much impact that has. Yeah. Hey, it's it's part of the game. I mean, what's the big deal? It's Notre Dame's truck. They didn't steal it. They sent it. Down. <laughs> that would be a story. I mean, uh, you know, they, that'd be way more impressive. They could Demetrius Robertson like they stole a truck and came down. I mean, awesome. you know, they've got the money for the gas. I'm sure the gas bill was quite high, but they, I, yeah, I don't think. I figured I it at 300 gallons of gas, by the way. So it's, I think it was an 1,800 mile round trip there and back. Gas is low. I mean, gas is pretty cheap yeah. right now. Did we confirm yeah. a driver? Uh, Brian Kelly actually tweeted out that the the dri- the regular driver. Non-coach oh, okay. uh, was the driver, which I, I part of the ESPN ran a story on Friday about like some other compliance officers had expressed uh, concern that uh, hey, this is a recruiting violation because they usually, I think the quote was, "I'm quite confident that is not their normal mode of transportation <laughs> for coaches on the road recruiting," which is right. Um, so I, I don't know if it's a secondary violation or not. I think Notre Dame was a little miffed uh, that that was even a discussion, but um, it's possible. And the last time I remember Notre Dame committing or potentially committing a secondary violation was when a current player tweeted at a prospect that was visiting, and it was Tyler Eifert tweeting at Jalen Smith. So who cares? Yeah, it totally worked out just yeah, fine. Nothing wrong with that one. Yeah. So we got two more days to signing day. We've got a bunch of questions about who Notre Dame may or may not land, and we're going to get into all that in segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is our burning up the board segment. We start with a question from Dashing Domer, and it's about quarterback Malik Zaire. If Malik Zaire does not win the starting quarterback job, what are the chances that we see him cross-train somewhere else. 
None for me. Zero. I wrote zero point zero. Okay, that's low. I would say that uh, if he doesn't win the starting quarterback job, he's going to end up starting some games at quarterback because it's kind of hard to go through, as we know. And I do think this is the one time where he will be the backup quarterback, especially Zaire, because of the skill set, will be used no matter what, will be in the game plan. I know it's really hard to do, but I think Kelly's respect for... No, we're just saying Zaire. Kelly's respect for Zaire, his unique skill set as a runner, that he'll be in the game plan as a quarterback, even if he's not the starter. Well, I think until you settle your red zone issues, first of all, Malik Zaire is going to be 1A, Right to Kaiser, if that's the case, and until you solve your red zone issues, you you have to be open minded about every possibility. And the other thing is, I don't think Malik Zaire wants any part of anything other than quarterback. Braxton Miller obviously did at Ohio State. Uh, that's not I'm not putting Malik Zaire down. That's just his mindset. He's a quarterback, and I don't think that he would be receptive to that move. I wrote down Braxton Miller in my notes for the podcast, and the big difference is Braxton Miller played two years. At- or three, two or three right. years. I think, yeah, I played two years and then got hurt. Two years of quarterback. Uh, he was Big Ten Player of the Year. Like, he saw what he was as a quarterback. Malik Zaire still doesn't know. He started two games, and or three games, and got hurt in the third. So, I think Malik Zaire, out of respect to himself, has to figure out, okay, here's who I am as a quarterback. He hasn't, he just hasn't had that opportunity yet. I, I would say it's much more likely if, you know, I think both will start games next year because in Brian Kelly's offense, the quarterback takes hit, and so you got to have a backup ready to go. You know, and then if it's clearly Deshaun Kaiser going into 2017, then Malik Sire can play his fifth year somewhere else. But until then, you just you don't know. Right. But I, but I, I do know that he is a quarterback and believes he's a quarterback, and he won't be playing any other positions other than quarterback next year. I mean, just going back to guys that transfer, we, we talked about transferring out when Golson was suspended. The first thing everybody said was just think if Gunnar Keel hadn't transferred already, he'd be in line to go against Tommy Reese for the starting job. And when then, Reese, let's say, he loses it to Reese, and Reese gets knocked out against USC, they just would have started Gunnar Keel after that against Air Force. Everybody gets a chance to play. I mean, yeah. you do not play two quarterbacks in every season. The only reason they didn't play two quarterbacks in 2013 is because Hendricks wasn't physically capable of playing that game against Air Force, or wasn't. I guess mentally capable of playing that game against Air Force in Brian Kelly's mind. I don't know that Malik Zaire will ever change. I, I think you make a good point, Pete, in that he doesn't know what he doesn't know, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. about the quarterback position. I'm not sure that Malik Zaire is the type of personality that will ever say, okay, I'm not good enough to play quarterback. I'm going to play another position. Certainly not until he's played it. Right. You know? I mean, that's why I say it's, yeah. a, it's a good point, but certainly at this stage. And you need no, you need number, number right. two. You're not going to make that change and then suddenly put yourself in a position where Brandon Wimbush is your backup quarterback and he has no experience and probably doesn't know the offense real well, which he no. certainly didn't during his his rookie year. Statman72, driving the Indy equipment truck to Demetrius Robertson's house was a great idea for trying to land Robertson, but what about the impact of not doing something so special for everyone else in Notre Dame is recruiting? Will the recruits react negatively to not getting the same treatment is the question. Uh, if you're a five-star player, you get treated a lot differently than if you're a three-star player. So I think that's this isn't – it's a meritocracy. Not everyone, yeah, well, gets, treated. We, not well, everyone gets treated Not everybody same. gets a blue ribbon, right? This, yeah. This, it's different. Yeah. And, so that that's how that works. Um, you know, it, And if a three-star prospect is offended that a semi-truck didn't come to his house – 
I, you know, I don't, maybe the University of Toledo could send their equipment truck to their house because I, it, that's, that's how that works. Demetrius Robertson and Ben Davis and Caleb Kelly are going to get a heck of a lot different treatment than a three star guy. Um, and that's, hey, when you're a five star guy, you get all sorts of privileges and, and perks that, uh, Mere mortals in the recruiting world do not, including money, according to Shaq. Yeah, you read that one this over the weekend. <laughs> no, I didn't. he wanted to send. He needs to get his son to LSU because he knows how much they pay. Oh, just, he said the statute of limitations have worn off. It's or, or they're over. LSU paid me to go there. He just came out and said it. Okay, God bless him. But I'm guessing this because he was good. Yeah, he was a good player. Probably good for LSU too. All right, uh, next question from Mr. McBrogue, new questioner. How strongly you consider this recruiting class? To be, if it does not include any of the intriguing five stars Kelly and Co. have been courting down the stretch. I don't think it will be that great. Um, I don't think it's a terrible class. I, if Demetrius Robertson is not in it, and Caleb Kelly's not in it, and Ben Davis is not in it, but let's say they get Jonathan Jones just to sort of round out a need position, mm-hmm. um, I would I would give it an A- minus in terms of the balance of the class because they really hit the, their most pressing needs with numbers. In a way that they don't every year. Um, you know, they miss on DNs or they miss on safeties. Um, but in terms of the talent, I'd say it's more like a B minus, where it's just like, it's pretty good. Um, but I think in terms of where that talent is positioned, it, it's, it's better than that. Uh, I'll tell you exactly what I think uh, without those players mentioned, but with Jonathan Jones. Because here are my grades that are going to be coming out. <laughs> no, I mean quarterback C-ish with, with Ian Book, running back C range, receiver, you know, B range, uh, tight ends incomplete, offensive lines B plus, A minus, D line, good numbers, high Bs, um, C's of the linebacker, secondary, A's and uh, B pluses. I mean, I you know, I, I, I agree with you, Pete. I think that, you know, good balance. I like what they did along the defensive line. There's a couple of guys that I think are potential impact players with some projects that will be in a position to uh, to learn the position and grow into the position. Um, you know, I thought they could have done better at linebacker considering you have Jalen Smith and, and Joe yeah. Schmidt walking out the door, and you knew you did. Um, but I think... You know, I mean, I think this is one of their better classes under Brian Kelly. I, I like it. I, I think that it's important that they got the the bodies they did on the back end of the defense and a lot of bodies that can play. You know, pretty good. But without those guys that we mentioned, those guys get your hopes up. Demetrius Robertson and Caleb Kelly, all of a sudden yeah. you think they're going to, wow, they're going to add those two guys. So they kind of get your hopes up and it puts a little different spin on the way you view a class. I just think Robertson would be such an addition because – you have St. Brown last year as a difference maker on the perimeter. Likely, not not certain difference maker. You had Robertson to it, then you've... I mean, Will Fuller was so important to this offense. You need a guy in the next two years that can take... not Take the top off is a cliche. That can make plays all over the field. And that would be him. You don't, want to, you don't want to sway one class on one guy that much. I just think that he's such a difference maker. That would be huge. I think, obviously, Caleb Kelly would help a lot. But I think Nordham is good young linebackers to develop. So I just think Robertson would change my perception, whether that's accurate or not, because they need his skill set. Yeah, after signing day, Tim's sort of assembling our class rank one to twenty-five or twenty-four. How many guys ultimately signed? Demetrius Robinson, Robertson to me unanimous. was clear unanimous, unanimous, unanimous one, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, that's a is he a starter next year? He'll start a few games. Right. Um, he would he would have a huge impact on twenty sixteen. 
All right, C. John. Jonathan Jones is listed on the scout database as 5'11", 209, with a 4740. This is one of the smallest and perhaps slowest linebackers I can ever remember being recruited by Notre Dame. With all due respect to Jones, why would the staff pursue a guy whose role might never be anything more than simply, quote-unquote, provides depth? Shouldn't the scholarship be banked for next year? Well, it's a good question. Um, the answer to your question is because Notre Dame looks at Jonathan Jones differently than than C. John does in the way that I do because I don't I don't like undersized linebackers. Undersized linebackers are starting behind the eight ball to begin with, and then they have a lot to overcome because of being five eleven or six foot or or whatever they are. Plus, I don't think Jonathan Jones is very strong if you watch him tackle. But Notre Dame looks at him differently, and I, and I'm not sure that the film that we see certainly yeah. is not the same as what the. The coaching staff sees, and I also think Jonathan Jones is an excellent fit for Notre Dame, I think, on a, on a lot of accounts. I would say this about 40 times. The problem with 40 times that we see in high school is some are accurately clocked, and then others are the fabrication of recruiting. Right. So if you see a 4-7 for an inside linebacker, a true 4-7 is not awful for no, an inside no. linebacker. But what happens is... The recruiting process takes a four seven and makes it a four five, and those numbers are are transposed, so we don't know what's act. I would say four seven is a real accurate number for Jonathan Jones, uh, which isn't bad in reality. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. They they evaluated it differently than we did, and then a lot of people are looking at him. I don't like the undersized thing. I know the first thing people listening to this are going to say they've already jumped on you in their minds, Tim, for saying you're behind the eight ball undersized. Sometimes it's bad. It is right. It, I can name ten guys that overcome it, but I can name I can I can't name them because I have to look up all the guys that were bad at football that were undersized, <laughs> and then we'll go point them out to you because they're not all Sam Mills and Zach Thomas, right? And Joe Schmidt. But what we need to look at is, yeah, I mean, he starts behind the eight ball, but obviously they like something in him. And also, there was no middle linebacker recruit in last year's class unless it's Barajas. So you, you do have to have. Quality middle linebacker, right? I mean, and that's why he's a take yeah. to me, is because you look at Notre Dame's Mike linebacker depth chart, or you try to make one, and it's good. You've got Niles Morgan, probably starter. If Greer Martini's starting somewhere else, then it's. He's still your backup, but you don't really have It might have be a Jonathan Jones. <laughs> I mean, I, the ideal is here to redshirt this guy so he can put on 15, 20 pounds, but they just don't have a lot of natural Mike linebackers right now. Uh, apparently it takes a while to learn this position, so get him in the system now and you know, sort of get him going with what's happening and then see what see what you have in, in 2018. That's okay. I yeah. mean, we everyone wants the next Demetrius Robertson who can come in and start right away at their respective position, but it really doesn't work out that way most times. Jonathan Jones, to me, I look at his frame, I like it a lot. He's really broad-shouldered. It looks like he can put on a lot of weight to me. He needs to put on a lot of weight. Notre Dame should be able to afford him that luxury to sit him and, and let him learn and get bigger. Redshirt this year, special teams next year. Maybe rotate a little bit as a junior, and then you're playing as a senior and you figure out what you got. Mizzo35 asks, in your humble opinion, who would you, and this is for you, Pete, um, in your humble opinion, who would you have recruited harder knowing that they would have committed in Notre Dame if you were part of the staff? I, I'm assuming this is a question for just <laughs> guys that Notre Dame was sort of in on, uh, opposed to just... Yeah, anybody. Um, I mean, Rashawn Gary is the obvious number one. Um, you know, it was interesting. Bruce Feldman had a story where he just sort of anonymously, anonymously pulled, I think, 36 
college coaches or recruiting coordinators or assistants. And sort of who are your instant impact guys? And uh, Rashawn Gary was the runaway winner in there. And he's, uh, I think, a unanimous number one prospect overall on all four uh, networks, which is kind of, you got to go back to more like the Jadavian Clownies uh, to get a guy that good. Um, I saw him at the opening. I liked him a lot. Um, I don't know. Basically, if you got Rashawn Gary, you would just plug him in and you would have not a better Sheldon Day, but you would have Sheldon Day right now. Um, just bigger. Yeah. So that would be my guy. If I could pick a guy last year, it would be Derwin James, the safety at Florida State, who was just absolutely filthy. You could take Wole Batiku, too. Um, but, I mean, Rashad Gary is just so much better than everybody else and plays such a premium position. Even though you have some defensive tackles on the team, this guy would start for you. He would be first team by the end of the first practice. Well, the question was, who would you have recruited harder knowing you would have committed to Notre Dame? Was there indication that Rashawn Gary would have had great interest in Notre Dame? Had- I mean, he talked about visiting. I mean, the, the question's a weird, a phrase a little bit odd because I guess that the implication is like, well, if Notre Dame had just tried harder. Yeah. There was nothing Notre Dame could have done with Rashawn Gary uh, to, to get him... Yeah, that's a, it's here. an interesting question. Yeah, I don't know gotten, that you could ask like, a... Would they have changed? If any, could anything have changed for, like, Bredesen? Yeah, I don't... I mean, is his, his brother yeah. still at Michigan? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's not... Um, you're, you really would have to go through the all the prospects and be like, who's a guy that at some point said, I really wish I had heard more from Notre Dame than I did? And there aren't a whole lot of guys like that. Um Certainly well, not. Well, at least guys not. Can... Yeah, not upper le- echelon yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Certainly a lot of right. lower level right. guys. All the guys that are offended about the truck not being. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's let's just stick with Rashad Gary and move on to our last <laughs> question from Terry Benedict. It says, "Is it me, or is it just seem that Brian Kelly is more involved than ever before in recruiting? In the past, I haven't seen so many pictures with him involved. Again, is it just me, or is it the dawn of social media?" Well, I think it's a couple things. I think it's Brian Kelly. This is something we've talked about. Brian Kelly being more comfortable at Notre Dame and in a different place than he was three years ago, you know, when he was interviewing for an NFL job less than 24 hours after getting his butt kicked in the championship game. So, um, no, I think he's more involved because he's in it for the long haul. The The signing of the, the six-year uh, extension says something about it. I, You know, I think the recruiting... Part is on the the going in the right direction. I think they're getting some of the bodies that they need defensively. Now, if they can, they can get it to coordinate, you know, with what they're doing on game day. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Usually, by the way, when somebody says, "Is it just me?" No, it's not just you. <laughs> Actually, I would be more in the "It's just you" on this one because <laughs> is he more involved in recruiting? Probably, um, but I think overwhelmingly the impression is formed off social media and just traditional media where we're out there and we're running photos of him with recruits. Um, that, that I think, you know, the Showtime series where they had, you know, episodes talking about him recruiting sure. in a yeah. car and a yeah. plane. I think we're, we're just more aware of the stuff that's been going on. Um, and, and I think Notre Dame is doing a better job advertising it to the, the official football Twitter account tweeted something last night where it was a map of the United States showing all the towns that Brian Kelly had been to and listing the mileage. So I think that they're promoting and advertising the hard work that he's doing. 
I don't know if he's doing any more hard work. I just think that we're more aware of it. I think part of it is the past years, when you read recruiting stories, you always hear someone say, and it gets magnified wildly, Brian Kelly wasn't there on my visit. Because, yeah. So I think people take, when they read two of those in the summer and spring, you read two in a row and you think he's never around, where, you know, that's not really what the case is. You just happen to remember the times he's not there. And it's sure as hell not the case in December and January. Right, right. You never hear that. It's just people, I think, remember. I mean, it's a combination of these things. When you agree that, that certainly he's more comfortable in his... Notre Dame skin now and social media is expanding. And I, I think that's it's a positive for Notre Dame. It's not like the semi truck thing, but like if these kids know, like, man, Brian Kelly was like if I'm Jordan Fuller, who's gonna announce tonight, it's probably gonna be for Ohio State. But if I'm Jordan Fuller, it's like, well, Brian Kelly's at my house on a Wednesday and last night he was in Fresno, California. And tomorrow he's going to Gordo, Alabama. Like that means I'm a priority, right. and it, it it is. I think it does impress and resonate with some of these kids, and maybe more their parents. That like, man, this staff is out there. They are traveling everywhere, looking for everybody, coast to coast, middle of the country. It doesn't matter. Um, I think Notre Dame is smart to advertise that a little bit more because it, it's something that's different. I think it's uh, when people question work ethic of coaching staffs this time of year. You have absolutely no idea what these men are putting oh themselves through. It's just. Not it's, fun. It's off the chart. Not fun. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. We will have a post-signing day podcast where, in theory, we're going to have some guest appearances from Notre Dame assistant coaches uh, at the Goog taped on signing day in the morning. So should be an interesting next podcast for us. But uh, whether they, whether Brian McGorder joins the show or not, uh, Tim Priester, <laughs> Tim O'Malley, and Pete Sampson, we will be back on Thursday for our post-signing day special Irish Illustrated Insider. Oh, 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 oh,